I'm looking at the scripture today, John chapter 6, 5 to 14. The story that's so familiar to all of us, the feeding of the 5,000. The scripture talks about how Jesus brought the crowd together that day. And as they came together, he realized he had a problem. The problem was that he was going to have to try to feed the 5,000. The scripture talks about this in the feeding of the 5,000. When Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming towards him, and he said to Philip, where shall we buy bread that these people could eat? Now the Bible says that he asked this only to test Philip, for he already had in mind what he was going to do. Philip answered him and said it would take almost a half a year's salary to be able to feed all these people. That's an interesting statement by both Jesus and Philip. I think of September the 11th, 2001, the tragedy of 9-11. That day was a day of immediate crisis. Probably, as we look back, one of those crises that was unexpected and yet was cast upon the uh, North American public. And there was no thought of what to do because it was so unexpected and yet so tragic. There was another time of great crisis. We, of course, now in what we're facing these days with the virus, understand what a crisis is like. It's unexpected and it comes upon us and throws the whole world into difficulty. Where do we turn in the midst of a crisis? Well, on September 11th, 2001, America faced a tremendous crisis brought on by terrorists. We know what took place. But one of the stories that is lost often in the account of September the 11th, 2001, is the story of the airline United 93 that uh, was uh, flown that day and brought down in Shanksville, Pennsylvania. Todd Beamer and his friends were on that flight and the United Flight 93 was overtaken by terrorists. Uh, pilot and co-pilot were uh, taken out of the cockpit and uh, wounded and injured. Todd Beamer was just a passenger on that plane, but he and a couple of friends realized that the plane had been taken over by terrorists. He knew that because a flight attendant told him that both the pilot and co-pilot had been taken from the cockpit and were either injured or killed. He had very little time to know what to do, but he talked to a couple of friends on the plane and then he took the, uh, the phone from the plane and made a call. When he did that, the phone plane that he used put him to a uh, flight attendant correspondent, a service rep. And he talked to the service rep and told the service rep that he and his couple of friends planned to take this plane back over. That the plane had been taken over by terrorists, but he planned to take it back. And all that the attendant could hear as Todd Beamer dropped the phone, he could hear or she could hear Todd say, all right, are you ready? 
okay, let's roll. Those were the last words that Todd Beamer said. He and his friends tried to take the plane back. They failed in doing that, but they saved the plane from being flown into Washington and doing great damage to uh, fly it into uh, the Senate, into uh, Parliament buildings there in the States in Washington, D.C., and saved thousands of lives. The plane was brought down in Pennsylvania. Todd Beamer and all those on the plane were killed, but he saved thousands. It's an amazing story. But it's his last words that he said that were recorded. Are you ready? Okay, let's roll. I encourage our pastors in our churches right now in the midst of this coronavirus. I encourage us to not become fearful not hide behind uh, uh, any kind of difficulty or circumstance and uh, hide away from it all, but step up. Okay, we got a crisis, let's roll. It's important for us to have confidence at this time for God has not given us the spirit of fear, but he's given us the power of a sound mind and faith within our hearts. John chapter 6, verse 5 to 14, tells us that there will be times of testing. It's interesting that Jesus asked Philip, where shall we buy bread? And Philip said, well, we don't even have enough money to do that. It would take half a year's salary to do that. It's interesting that Philip really didn't even answer Jesus' question. Jesus asked the question. He said, where would we buy bread? He was wanting Philip to answer the question. But it also says something very profound in the scripture after he asks that question. It said, for Christ already knew what he was going to do. You see, we don't know what the answer is to a crisis like what we are facing right now. We're not sure what the answer is. We're not sure whether there's even an answer that could come. But we can rest assured of one thing. Jesus knows what he's doing. Jesus has an answer. And Jesus has it all under control. Jesus reiterates here in the scripture that there will always be times of testing. He said that he asked Philip that question to test him. To test him. There will always be times of testing. We are actually facing right now in our society a test that is an incredible test, a test that tests the whole world worldwide. It is testing. We should not be surprised when tests come, the Bible says. In fact, John 1, 2-4 says, Consider it all joy when you encounter testing and trials. Testing so that faith would produce endurance. Testing. Genesis 50, verse 20, it says that when Joseph was tested and his brothers tested him by say, selling him into slavery, he was imprisoned. Then his brothers came to him, wanting him as, as the ruler of the country, the prime minister of the country, to give them food. The Bible says that they meant it for evil, but God had meant it for good. 
Also in Psalm 66, verse 10, it says, O God, you have tested us. You have refined us as silver is refined in the fire. But appear in scripture that testing is something that we should expect will happen in our lifetime and in our world. But yet there's a purpose, a godly, God-given purpose for testing. And God works through testing. And God does his work and has his way in the midst of testing. John 16 verse 33 says, In this world you will have trouble, you will have testing, but take heart. I have overcome the world. It sounds very flippant to some people to say, but it is a true statement. Jesus is the answer for the world today, especially in the midst of the crisis. I believe that John chapter 6, verse 5 to 14, has three lessons that we can learn and know in the midst of a crisis. Number one is we need to know that we must never become overwhelmed in a crisis. Philip is asked a question by Jesus. How will we buy bread for these people? Philip doesn't even answer the question. He's so overwhelmed by the circumstances that he doesn't even answer what Jesus said. He said, well, over the situation, we couldn't even buy bread. It would take half a year's salary. He concentrated on the situation, but the Bible says Jesus knew what he was going to do. Philippians 2, 9 to 10, God exalted Christ, the word says, to the highest plane, and his name is above every name. The Bible says in Philippians 2, that Jesus' name is above every name. Well, I am here today to remind us that Jesus' name is certainly greater than Buddha, certainly greater than Allah, certainly greater than Muhammad, and Jesus' name is greater than cancer and greater than dementia. And can I remind us today that Jesus' name is even greater than the coronavirus. His name is above every name. His name is Jesus. And Jesus is the answer for the world today. It's easy for us to look at our circumstances and say, we have no answer. And to look at it and, and believe that nothing can happen good out of the circumstances. But if we look at our circumstances, it will overwhelm us. Look at our circumstances, it will fill us, fill us full of fear. Look at our circumstances, It'll bring us down to the place of confusion, doubt, and uh, on the brink of disaster. But Jesus is the answer. Jesus is in control. Jesus, the Bible says, knew what he was going to do. And Jesus still knows what he's going to do. Jesus will come through. And Jesus will be able to be exalted in the midst of our circumstances. I believe that it is uh, true that that Jesus is able to have the last word in situations like this. Jairus came to Jesus and said, my, my daughter is dying and she's 12 years old and you need to come and minister to her. And Jesus said he would. And as he went with Jairus, he was delayed in his 
uh, getting to the daughter because of stopping at the well and, and, and ministering to a lady in, in need. And then the Bible says that friends came from Jairus' household and said, don't trouble the master anymore. Don't bother him any further. Uh, the daughter is dead. It's over. It's finished. And of course, Jairus was completely defeated. And his friends said, don't trouble the master anymore. There's nothing more he can do. And yet Jesus said, no, we will continue on. And he took three of his disciples and he went to Jairus' house. When he got there, the mourners were there. Now they weren't family members. They were paid mourners. They were mourning because they got paid to mourn. They had no faith in their heart. They had no real um, uh, connection to this whole thing. And so then Jesus cleared the room, the Bible says. Told the mourners, you need to get out of the room. He cleared the room of unbelief. And then he took those who really believed that a miracle could happen. And he lifted Jairus' daughter up from her death to new life. And I want to tell you today that when you look at the circumstances that we are facing right now in society, it would appear like there, first of all, no answer. And would appear in many respects like life as we knew it is over and there is no hope. But it's never over till Jesus says it's over. And they said that about Jairus' daughter. Said she's dead. It's over. But when Jesus stepped into the situation, when Jesus went into the circumstance, all of a sudden, impossibility became possibility. And a miracle took place. In the midst of this crisis today that we face, it could look like it's over. And what are we going to do? Does anybody have an answer? But it's never over till Jesus says it's over. And Jesus is still in the midst of the situation today. And he's going to bring something great out of difficulty. And he is going to bring us through into victory. So I encourage us not to look upon the circumstances, but to have faith and believe that God is able to work in this crisis and not let the circumstances overwhelm us. Secondly, be careful that we don't believe that there is a total lack of resources. When Jesus talked with Philip, he asked him, what will we do to feed the crowd? And Philip, of course, said, well, we'll take half a year's wages and we can't possibly feed the crowd. We don't have the resources. We don't have what it would take to feed them. We don't have the money. We don't have the food. But Jesus said, what do you have? Well, what they had was five loaves and two fishes and they brought it to Jesus seemed like very little seemed like not enough to ever meet the need but Jesus took the five loaves and the two fishes he prayed over it he blessed it and he broke it and then he passed it out Jesus proved to them that though it may look like we don't have enough resources there's always a way when those resources are put into the hands of Jesus. Right now, people are fearful, fearful financially. People are fearful of not having enough resources. Our pastors are fearful of not having enough resources. Our churches are fearful of not having enough resources. Our district office is fearful of not having enough resources. But I'm here to tell you that Jesus is able to take what we have in our hand and bless it, break it, pass it out and meet the need. 
And I believe with all my heart that there is a way that Jesus can provide financially and every other way to provide the need. We must never become overwhelmed by the lack of resources, but we must put what we do have in the hands of Jesus, be good masters of what we have, good stewards of what God has given us, and believe that God is able to take what we have and multiply it and meet the need. And right now in our society, God is able to meet the financial need. He's able to meet the need that faces us. As district superintendent, um, I've had the privilege of traveling all over the world, especially to visit our global workers. Uh, a few years ago, the district superintendents, under the direction and supervision of our general superintendent, traveled to Malaysia. We were there for the World Pentecostal Conference, and it was an amazing event. And we were in Malaysia, which is a Muslim country, in a country that uh, will not allow a church to own property. Uh, it is against the law for a church to go out and purchase property for a church. Uh, they will let you rent some space. It's limited, but they will. But a Muslim country, Malaysia, is not about to allow a, a, a church to own its own facilities. But we were there at uh, the World Pentecostal Conference in a uh, facility that sat 5,000 people. You see, a few years before, a church in Malaysia called the Calvary Church had desired to own its own property. But it's against the law. You're not able to do that. But they believed that God would make a way when there seemed to be no way. And so they talked to many in their city about uh, sharing together in a facility. They began to talk to government officials and local civ civic officials about the possibility of what would it look like if we could share together in a facility. They began to pray into it and God gave wisdom and, and direction and opened doors for connections and Pretty soon they began to talk to others in the community about sharing in a facility. So much so that eventually they became, they began to put together a great plan. And the plan was that they would be able to build a facility that would seat their church. And rather than have it just be the Calvary Church, they eventually put together a plan and came together with what would become known as the Calvary Convention Center. It became a facility built right there in their community. And that facility would be a building that could house many different events, many different meetings, and facilitate all kinds of community uh, event. And uh, cooperation was established by community leaders, business owners, uh, all kinds of people got involved in the project. And we stood there that day at our World Pentecostal Conference and the president of Malaysia and others were there and cut the ribbon to what became known as the Calvary Convention Center. Calvary Church has their services there every Sunday, but it's not really dedicated just as a church, it's dedicated as a convention center. So that church with great faith in their heart found a way where there seemed to be no way. And what an amazing thing in a Muslim country that doesn't allow a church to own a facility, 
for that church to be able to cut a ribbon to the Calvary Convention Center. This proves to me that no matter whether there seems to be a way or not, God can find a way. God can show us how that we can find the resources to be able to meet the need. And we need to be careful that we don't just put our mind and thoughts on lack of resources. In the midst of the crisis, we need to keep Jesus in the picture. Oftentimes we look at the crisis and we're not thinking of Jesus. Think of the crisis. We think of all the ramifications of the crisis. We think of the circumstances that are weighing against us. We think of all the bleak things that are happening or could happen. We think of all the bad circumstances that are taking place or could take place. We are fearful. We're full of doubt and we're full of, uh, of anxiety. But we also need to remember that as we look at the circumstances that we are in, as we look at the crisis that we are facing, we need to see Jesus in the picture. We need to realize that Jesus is still able to do exceedingly above anything that we could ask or think. One time when I was a young pastor, my senior pastor gave me an opportunity to go to a pastor's conference in New York City. One of the key speakers to that conference was Young Gi Cho. I will never forget the Tuesday night when Young Gi Cho began to preach in a great auditorium in New York City. There were thousands of people there that night in that arena, and he began to preach. After a few moments of preaching, he stopped in his message. Young Gi Cho stopped and said, I cannot continue to preach this message, but God is asking me to do something now that I need to do. And in obedience to the Lord, he said, I want to pray for those that are blind. He said, I seem to feel in my heart that there may be people in the auditorium tonight who need healing in their bodies. But he said, especially those who may need to see. He said, I don't know why I'm praying this, but I'm going to pray this prayer. So he said, before I continue my message, would you stand to your feet and we are going to pray that if there are people here tonight who cannot see, that they will be healed by the power of God. He prayed for people who needed to see. He prayed for people who were sick, but especially those who were blind. And as he began to pray, you could hear in the silence of the room, some beginning to scream or, or cry out. Then as he was praying, you could hear people running to the front of the auditorium. When he finished praying, there were people running across the front of the auditorium, yelling at the top of their lungs, I can see, I can see, I can see. A little lady came to the microphone, asked Youngi Cho if she could speak, and she said, you're not going to believe this. But she said, I am from the blind school here in New York City. I brought some young people especially here with me today who were blind students. And now every one of them is running across the front because they now can see. They have gotten their eyesight. It was an incredible moment. The place erupted in praise to God. And I will never forget the power of God to do a miracle. Well, you have to put Jesus in the picture. We don't know how we are ever going to get out of this crisis. And we have no idea how we're going to get out of the dilemmas that we're in, whether financial, physical, mental. But God is able 
to do a miracle. We must keep Jesus in the picture. We must remember that Jesus is still able to do the work. Jesus had a, a crisis on his hands. He needed to feed the 5,000. He asked Philip, uh, where can we go to get bread to feed these people? Well, Philip was so overwhelmed with the circumstances that he didn't even answer the question. He just reminded Jesus, of, if we had half a year's money, wages, we couldn't feed these people. The doubt had already filled his heart. But Jesus, the Bible says, asked Philip that question to test him because Jesus knew what he was going to do. So in the midst of this crisis, I remind us, number one, we must never become overwhelmed in the midst of this crisis. We must keep our senses, stay faithful to God, stay believing in the power of the Lord to do a miracle and take lead in the midst. This is the church of Jesus Christ that we represent. And may we step up and take charge in the midst of the crisis, believing that God is able to perform a miracle. Number two, we must never look at the lack of resources because Jesus is able to supply the need according to his riches in glory. Jesus is never at a loss of being able to do a miracle. And we must always keep Jesus in the picture. When Debbie and I were in the ministry for about eight, nine years, we had no children up to that point, and then God blessed us with a beautiful little girl who was born. But only two hours after her birth, she passed away. It was the most tragic time in our life. It was a difficult moment for both Debbie and I. We faced great pain in our hearts, buried our little girl, Katie, in uh, a little grave in Burlington and uh, went home empty-handed with broken hearts. At that time, someone who knew a little bit about the pain we were going through gave me a poem. And I've kept that poem all these years. And it meant so much to me as I read it that time in that season of our life. And I, and I read it again to you today. It's called Nothing in the House. Thy servant, Lord, has nothing in the house, not even one small pot of common oil. For he who only comes to spoil has raided our poor house again and again, this ruthless enemy who many know brings pain. I thought I had courage in my house and patient to be quiet and endure. And there has been some happy songs, but now I am not sure. Thy servant truly hath not anything, because this songbird only has a broken wing. My servant, I am in your house. I who knows pain's extremity so well, that there can never be the need to tell. The enemy came to make my flesh and spirit quail. For I have felt the scourge, the thorn, the nail. But I, I your Savior, I am in your house. Let not your heart be troubled, do not fear. Why should thy child of God, when I am near? My touch will heal 
your songbird's broken wing, then you will always have a braver song to sing. I remind us today, the Master, Jesus Christ, is in the house. Do not fear. We will go through this difficult crisis, but as we persevere through God's help, we will have a braver song to sing. God will bring us through. We need to step up, have confidence at this hour. We need to share the love of Jesus with our community, our friends, those that are fearful and those that are hurting. We need to let them know that Jesus is in the house, that Jesus still knows what he's doing. Jesus is still in control. And we need to not look at our circumstances. And we need to keep Jesus in the picture. And we need to believe that God has the resources to bring us through. And he will do his work and have his way. Who knows what Jesus is really doing in this hour? Maybe that's what it means when he says that he will bring us to this hour for such a time as this. May Jesus lead and guide and direct us, give us faith and not fear, and help us believe that he still knows what he's doing, and Jesus is in our house. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, we pray today that you would encourage our hearts. Jesus, you are still in the house. We look, God, to this crisis, and we are not overwhelmed by the circumstances. And Lord, we will not be overwhelmed by the lack of resources. And Jesus, we still know you're in the picture with us. You're walking with us. You're going to direct and guide in these days. God, be with us in this season of our life. Guide and direct every circumstance. And Lord, may you work a miracle in the midst of this crisis and bring glory and honor. Your name is above every name. And God, we are thankful that we can trust you in this hour. Give us wisdom. Give us direction and guidance. And may we never forget Jesus, you are not at a loss to know what to do. You know what you're doing, and you're still in the house. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. God bless you.